So having spoken, he went back down through the house of Odysseus. Sorrow that crushes the heart poured round her, and she could no longer bear to sit down on a chair of the many there were in the dwelling. Rather, she sat on her rich and elaborate bedroom's threshold, raising a piteous moan, and around her all of the housemaids whimpered, as many as dwelt in the house, both younger and older. Thus then, constantly weeping, Penelope spoke and addressed them. Friends, hear this, for to me the Olympian gives a surpassing sorrow beyond all women in my time reared or begotten. I who had long since lost my noble and lion-souled husband, who of the Danians was outstanding in every virtue, whose noble fame through Hellas has spread and the middle of Argos, now has my much-loved son been carried away by the storm winds, swept from the halls unnoticed, nor did I hear of his parting. Wretches, for not even one of you took it in mind to arouse me out of my bed, although in your hearts you knew very clearly when that boy went away in the hollow and dark-hued galley. For if I ever had learned of this journey that he was intending, either he would have remained, however desirous of parting, or else he would have left me dead back here in the palace. But one of you go quickly and summon my old man-servant Dalius, whom my father bestowed on me when I came here, who of my well-witted garden is keeper, that speedily he may visit and sit by Laertes and tell him of all that has happened, so that perhaps the old master can weave some scheme in his spirit then go out and complain to the people that they are intent on doing away with his offspring and that of the godlike Odysseus. Speaking to her, then answered the nurse, much-loved Eurycleia, Dear girl, either now kill me at once with a pitiless bronze or let me remain in the house, but the story shall not be a secret. I knew all the affair. I gave him whatever he ordered, furnished the bread and sweet wine, and of me a great oath he exacted, not to inform you before some time had elapsed on the twelfth day, or until you yourself should have missed him and heard of his leaving, so that you might not injure your beautiful skin with your weeping. But now, when you have bathed and have put clean clothes on your body, going upstairs to your chamber along with your women attendants, Pray to Athena, the daughter of Zeus, who carries the aegis, for it is possible then she would save him even from dying. Do not distress, a distressed old man, for I cannot imagine that by the fortunate gods the descent of Arcasius' son is utterly hated, but there will be someone yet who will keep this high-roofed house, I am sure, and the fertile fields in the distance." She spoke, lulling her anguish and stopping her eyes from their weeping. After Penelope bathed and had put clean clothes on her body, she went up to her chamber along with her women attendants, poured in a basket the barley for sprinkling, and prayed to Athena, Hear me, offspring of Zeus of the Aegis, unwearying goddess. If in his palace Odysseus of many devices has ever burnt in your honor the fat thigh pieces of sheep or of heifers, now I pray call them to remembrance and rescue my dear son. Guard and defend him from those overbearing and arrogant suitors. So she spoke, ululating, 
her prayer was heard by the goddess. There in the shadowy hall, where the suitors are rousing an uproar, such are the words which one of the arrogant youths would have spoken. Surely the much-wooed queen is preparing to give us a marriage banquet and does not know that a death for her son is determined. So would he say, but they knew not how these things were determined. Then Antinous spoke and addressed them, giving them counsel. Foolhardy friends, keep guard against words too bold and offensive, all of that sort, lest even within some one should report them. But come, let us arise from our seats and in silence accomplish what we have said in the way that to all of our minds seemed fitting. So he spoke, and he chose out twenty good men as companions. They set forth to the swift sailing ship and the shore of the deep sea. First they dragged their ship out into the depths of the sea brine, set up the mast pole and hoisted the sails in the dark-hued galley. Next they fastened the oars in the ox-hide thongs of the oarlocks, all in an orderly fashion. Above they spread out the white sails. Weapons were carried aboard by valorous-hearted attendants. Out from the beach in the water they anchored her, then disembarking, there on the shore took supper and waited the evening's onset. Prudent Penelope, meanwhile, remaining above in her chamber, lay without eating and not partaking of drink or of victuals, wondering whether her faultless son would escape from the slaughter, or if he might be quelled by the haughty and arrogant suitors. Just as a lion amidst an assemblage of huntsmen ponders fearfully when they draw their treacherous circle about him, over her pondering thus there came a delectable slumber. Soon, sinking back, she was sleeping, and all of her limbs were unloosened. Then other things were devised by the goddess, bright-eyed Athena. First she created a phantom and likened its form to a woman, Iphthime, who also was great-hearted Icarius' daughter. She had been taken to wife by Eumelus, dwelling in Pherae. Then she dispatched this shape to the palace of godlike Odysseus, so as Penelope lay there, woefully mourning and wailing, it might cause her to cease from her wailing and tearful lamenting. Into the chamber it went by the oxhide thong of the door latch. Standing above her head, it spoke these words and addressed her. Are you sleeping, Penelope, sorrowing so in your spirit? Not in the least will the gods who live in comfort allow you either to mourn or to trouble yourself, since he is yet able, your dear child, to return. To the gods he is no transgressor. Prudent Penelope then spoke out to her, giving an answer, while at the dream gates she kept slumbering deeply and sweetly. Why have you come to me here, dear sister? For never before now have you paid me a visit, as you dwell far at a distance. Then, moreover, you bid me to cease from my woes and afflictions, all of the many that worry and vex me in mind and in spirit. I, who had long since lost my noble and lion-souled husband, who of the Danians was outstanding in every virtue, whose noble fame through Hellas has spread and the middle of Argos, now has my much-loved son gone away on a hollow galley, foolishly, neither in deeds nor in words is he yet very skillful. It is for him that I now feel grief, even more than the other, yes, and for him that I tremble and fear, lest something befall him, whether from those to whose land he journeys, 
or out on the seaway. Numerous foes he has who scheme and maneuver against him, hoping to kill him before he returns to the land of his fathers. Answering her in return, spoke forth that dim apparition, Take heart, and be not at all too fearful for him in your spirit. Such a great escort is she who goes with him. Other men also pray her to stand by them with assistance, for she has the power, Pallas Athena, and she takes pity on you in your sorrow. She is the one who has sent me now to inform you of these things. Prudent Penelope then spoke answering words and addressed her. If you are truly divine and have heard these words of a goddess, come, I beseech you, tell me about that man so afflicted, whether perhaps he lives, still looks upon Helios' sunlight, or he has died already and dwells in the palace of Hades. Answering her in return, spoke forth that dim apparition. No, as to that man now, I will not tell all of the story, whether he lives or has died, for to speak vain words is an evil. So did it say, then parted from her by the latch on the doorpost, into the breath of the winds, and Icario's daughter awakened out of her sleep, and her heart grew warm in cheerful assurance, so distinctly the dream in the dead of the night sped upon her. Boarding, the suitors at once sailed out on the watery pathway, pondering in their minds for Telemachus, pitiless murder. There is a rock-strewn isle in the midst of the sea that is halfway off of the Ithacan coast towards Same, rugged and rocky, Asteris, not very big, having two ship-sheltering harbors, there, for Telemachus now, the Achaeans awaited in ambush. <laughs>